I'm an idiot with an opinion and a platform. Robbie Krieger Smith. <laughs> and I am in a love-hate relationship with our white male voices that speak for so many Canadians. I'm Deirdre Mitchell McLean. And this is the Political R&D Podcast. <laughs> Today's episode is... Hi, Deirdre. Hi, Robbie. (laughs) We'll get this all together. (laughs) Today's episode is Burn It to the Ground. Because we had such a a great weekend of op-eds that that just kind of took you on this huge roller coaster of, I hate what you're saying, I love what you're saying, I hate what you're saying, and I kind of like what you're saying, and you're saying something really interesting, and we have five. We do. So let's just jump into it. Uh, We'll start off with Rex Murphy. Uh, (laughs) Angry Murph, as I like to call him. (laughs) Or Old Man Murphy. Uh, So his op-ed ran in the National Post, and it was titled, Who Else Would Have the Empathy to Interrogate Our Feminist PM? So this Peace, and it is a piece. <laughs> really a piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was his response to the newly formed election debate commission deciding to run with five female moderators for the federal election debate? So there's three national anchors, uh, Lisa Laflamme, Donna Friesen, and Rosemary Barton from CTV Global and CBC, respectively, and then two national columnists, Althea Raj and Susan Delacorte. And they're all female. And (laughs) all of a sudden, Murphy had an epiphany that gender parity matters and (laughs) the composition of these things are important. Oh, and it wasn't just the composition of these things. You know, his... His article went from, uh, you know, this, let's say, um, let's let's call it a coup for females in journalism. I think I think that's the nicest way to say it. It went from that to, you know what, anyone can run these debates and maybe we should start asking anyone to run these debates. And that's where it kind of lost any sense of uh i don't know i don't even want to say journalistic integrity i'm just like even just topic integrity it just it lost it when we when we got to that in my opinion yeah uh you know i think if the debate commission had made a big deal about this being five females that were hosting this Mm -hmm. and made some sort of grand gesture the way that trudeau did about his balanced cabinet then maybe he might have had some some justification in coming out and writing this really scathing piece again it's a total piece um but it was a non-issue like it it didn't even make news really when they announced who it was it was just you know like has always kind of been it's the national anchors the key political kind of 
voices in the in the news realm that are driving this debate and to propose that we need to get people from the lay population they don't have the skills to moderate a debate and may not be and likely aren't well informed in policy to actually guide the conversations and ask the questions that need to be asked in a forum like this right so it just it uh it's really really makes me think he's kind of on the Don Cherry timeline, like he's a little bit past his best before date. And uh, so I'd wrote a satire piece about this angry old man yells at internet cloud. And uh, that can be found at uh, politicalrnd.ca. But that's really what it just came across as was the rantings of a madman who feels threatened by the fact that there's five women moderating a debate. So, you know, a dog or a horse would be more qualified than these five women, right? <laughs> he, just, he he really took it to, he took it to such extremes. And I did have, uh, I did have someone because I, you know, I have, I have followers that are a little more on the conservative side as well as on the more liberal side. And I had, I had one person make a comment and say, you know, uh, Rex Murphy quite often does, tongue-in-cheek and so are you sure that that's not what he was doing and you know I did notice how far he really took this narrative uh, especially about the feminism right but the thing is and and maybe because I did I did entertain the thought that if this was somewhat satirical or tongue-in-cheek that this is what it feels like to be on the on the receiving end of that, right? Yeah. Female, and I'm looking at this going, oh, you jackass. <laughs> like, how dare you? And it and it was just because, you know, like there was at one point in the article, he says, you know, I have nothing uh, derogatory to say about these five women. It's like, have you read what you've written so far? Because you have done nothing but basically say that this was some sort of a a grand gesture like you said of you know feminist I don't know glass ceiling breaking bullshit and that really like there was there was nothing that talked about their backgrounds or their experience or or their merit in actually doing this and the fact that he complained as well about how the uh how how their they're the ones that are interrogating the circle that they're in. Well, again, who better to do that? I mean, you know, it's not a town hall. And that was the other thing that kind of, I, I did leave this out of my own commentary on it when, when I wrote about it. But I was, you know, it was just one more thing that he was essentially asking for it to be treated like a town hall where the audience can sit and ask questions. And these are questions from real people with real problems. Well, that's fantastic, but that's not what this is. This is a leadership debate. This, this needs people who can guide the conversation. This needs people who, you know, can ask questions that really, I mean, they know their jobs. They do have an idea of what people want to hear about. And, as much as I love the idea of including absolutely every Canadian from every walk of life and every background and career, um, the things that may be affecting 
my hotel housekeeper or my local accountant may not be things that actually resonate across Canada. So, yeah, he just he he took it he took it to such lengths, and I tried I really tried to read it as if it was satirical. And like I said, maybe this is what it feels like to be on the receiving end of satire, <laughs> because boy, it does suck. <laughs> well, now not I... to make light of people with dementia, but one of the clearest signs is when you forget what you wrote in the first paragraph by the time you get to the third. So, <laughs> and yes, he did. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that that one disclaimer of I have nothing derogatory to say just blew my mind <laughs> that that Fair could be there. So, yeah, so that was a that was a pretty big bomb. Right. Yeah, I I think I think that was a that was a low point coming into that weekend. For sure. So our second one appeared in the National Post and it was columnist Chris Selly. And he was addressing uh, Ralph Goodale, who is liberal cabinet minister, his hypocrisy on Andrew Scheer's position on same sex marriage. So a little bit of background on this. Uh, Scheer in 1995, or sorry, 2005, voted against uh, same-sex marriage when it was legalized and gave a fairly inflammatory defense of, quote-unquote, the traditional definition of marriage where he compared it to a dog's body part. Um, And uh, so the liberals have dredged this up as we get closer to the federal election and Shear has been completely invisible from anything that might be construed as being gay, um, especially pride. Uh, Dr. Christopher Wells tweeted that there's been 140 pride events in the last year in Canada and Shear has attended precisely zero so far. Um, Sally also addresses the fact that Shear voted against Bill C-16, which added protections for gender expression and gender identity to the Canadian Charter, uh, sorry, the Human Rights Act. Um, And that was in 2017, and 38 Conservative MPs actually voted for that legislation. The thing that is really hypocritical in Sully's view, um, and it's one that I am inclined to agree with or concur with, is that in 1995, Bloc Québécois MP Réal Menard proposed a motion to recognize legally same-sex spouses, not marriage, but spouses. And then again in 1999, a reform MP put forward a motion stating that marriage is and should remain the union of a man and one woman to the exclusion of all others. And Goodale voted in favor of that. And so, you know, breaking this down, why the Liberals out of their entire caucus would get Ralph Goodale to tweet this attack out just boggles my mind (laughs) um so yeah that's really all I have to say about it uh the only thing I guess maybe I could add is that Goodale has since attended events and has made some motions to correct his record although he hasn't explicitly said what led to his uh his evolution of views um but Shear has just basically said the law is the law and has not offered any further insight into his personal views on same-sex marriage, which to some commentators matters if you want to be the Prime Minister of Canada. Right. And 
one of the things that that really struck me with Sally's article uh, was when he mentioned that, you know, we have, if if nothing else, I mean, agree with Sheer or not, we have his reasons for voting against same-sex marriage. And, you know, I, I don't want to excuse, because the thing is, I do look at it as an excuse to discriminate against your fellow human beings. I don't like that we're going to use religion as that excuse, but I do understand that it is a deeply held belief that people are told um, that there is there's there's no way to get around it. There's you know the the word is the word, and I think that's actually a song title. Um, but <laughs> but do you mean bird is the word? Is the word? There we go. <laughs> when I said it, I'm like, wait a minute, that's familiar. Um, so. Like, I, I I, don't want to excuse it, but I guess I do understand it. And that was Sully's point as well, is that whatever you think of his reasoning behind it, they are a matter of record. And I'm sure he still stands behind that today. Um, one of the, uh, a very interesting thing that popped up, Danielle Smith found an article where uh, Justin Trudeau's Catholic beliefs were being questioned. And I found that really interesting um, in an apple and orange comparison kind of way because he was defending his personal beliefs. He was defending them in a way that said that has nothing to do with what my party is doing and everything else. My personal beliefs are my own and they will remain my own. And I had a couple of people too say, you know, well, you know, he said this, he's opposed to abortion. Yes, he is. And his actions, especially with the party and as leader of the party, have been uh, absolutely defined that the Liberal Party believes in reproductive choice. So for someone who says, I personally disagree with abortion, but my party believes in reproductive choice and my party will not legislate against it, is very, very different from what Andrew Scheer is not saying. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, on the topic specifically of same-sex marriage and just even gay pride, you know, I would have a lot more respect for Andrew Scheer if he was to step in front of a microphone and say, you know what, I'm just personally not comfortable with it. I understand that the country has moved on, the laws are the laws, you know, I don't feel comfortable attending Pride, but that doesn't mean that I think people shouldn't be able to take part in it. I encourage my caucus members to do it. I just won't be there. You know, I'll maybe I'll attend a barbecue. You know, I, I don't want to go to the parade, but we'll have a barbecue and we'll engage with LGBT Canadians that aren't just sock puppet organizations to promote the conservatives. And I, I would at least have some respect for that. But it's this, you know, when this video was drudged up and he didn't show up for eight days, like that to me says you're hiding something and that you're scared and you've got a problem, right? And so that's problematic. And I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I did really like that kind of apples to oranges comparison. And I think back even to when same-sex marriage was being 
legalized. Um, if I recall correctly, Paul Martin, a group of Catholic bishops had threatened to excommunicate him from the church. And he said, you know, do what you got to do. But, you know, this is a matter of human rights. And I hold my faith very dear, near and dear to me. But this is separation of church and state, basically. And we're doing what's right for Canadians, for all Canadians, right? So, um, so I, I don't think it's impossible to do both. No, no, I, I don't believe it is either. And, you know, this is a, well, this is a fantastic lead into, you know, the next, definitely two more of our articles. Uh, the next one came from Warren Kinsella, who has not been extremely popular with the more left-leaning individuals on uh, social media. No, no, <laughs> he's got an axe to grind with the Liberal Party and Trudeau in particular. Yeah. And uh, so... Again, this kind of touches on the whole um, Andrew Scheer and whether or not he's uh, capable of expressing anything less than disgust for LGBT people. But uh, so this, of all places, popped up in the Toronto Sun, which is quite astonishing. <laughs> I had more than a few people comment, oh, something in the Toronto Sun that wasn't hyper-conservative biased. Um so Kinsella basically talks about the advent of Pride as we know it and the Stonewall riots or uprising and how they played into the eventual evolution of Pride as, as we see it today. But the quote for me that really stuck out is, when you're a prime minister, you don't get to pick and choose which Canadians you represent. You represent all of us or you represent none of us. And then there was another quote that it's time for you to get off the sidewalk Andrew Scheer and join the parade and those two things to me like Kinsella just you know very succinctly like it, it's maybe 300 words the column but it's just very hard hitting and I thought it did a really great job of making the case for why a prime minister needs to be seen as viewing all Canadians as actual human beings yeah and it was it was. It was absolutely fantastic. I had, after I tweeted it out, I had I had a number of people comment underneath it and saying, you know, normally I wouldn't read Kinsella or normally I wouldn't read The Sun. And, you know, this article was just, it was so incredible. He told a story and, I mean, was, was Stonewall mentioned in the beginning? Yes, yeah. I'm just, no, no, he doesn't know. The name of the bar is not mentioned until. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, not at the very, very beginning. No, you, yeah. you start reading it and it's just, he's telling, he's telling this story and then you find out that it's Stonewalls and then everything kind of comes together and you're just like, you know, it was even now goosebumps. <laughs> he, he did such a fantastic job of of really putting that out there uh not like like you said the evolution of what it used to be and what it used to be was uh illegal and underground and we've we have we've come so far and i mean what it took to get there he does just such an amazing job of telling that story mm -hmm. uh but yeah, it's absolutely a fantastic article. And, you know, it's it's definitely, uh, especially from him lately, 
it's one of the few that criticized the conservative party. And, you know, when you see that from someone who has been uh, a bit of a booster, so to speak, I think it hits a little harder. Yeah, no, that's fair. I agree. And so about four days after that, um, again, very unlikely source, but former director of communications for Prime Minister Stephen Harper, Andrew McDougall, had an op-ed piece in McLean's. And it was titled, If I'm Listening to Trudeau, It Means Others Are Too. And I saw that headline and I was like, okay, this has got to be clickbait because there's no way McDougall (laughs) is writing a piece saying, hey, I might vote for Trudeau. Um, But uh, in that op-ed, he says, I'm listening to the Liberals because I look at Andrew Scheer and I can't quite take the measure of the man. And he basically says that he doesn't really believe Scheer when Scheer says that those social conservative topics aren't on the table the same way that Stephen Harper did. And he doesn't buy or think that Scheer is authentic or sincere when he says that. And so for somebody who worked really intimately in the prime minister's office with um, what I would call probably one of the, at least in the last generation, one of the foremost conservatives to say that, you know what, this guy's actually making me think I might vote liberal. Um, And in the piece, McDougall acknowledges he lives in England now and he isn't going to be voting in this election, but he basically implores Scheer to put this to bed and to be able to put the focus back on Trudeau's failings and that the longer Scheer waits to do this, the more the Liberals have against him and the stronger case there is for Red Tories to support the Liberals instead of Andrew Scheer. Yeah. And now, so here's actually a good question because I, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of commentary on this since and 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 by this i'm i'm referring to that video of andrew Shear and even his response um rachel curran was on was it power and politics i believe so yeah yeah and she had said that they should just keep pounding on it yeah like they kind of have him here and when i had first heard that one of the things that you know, I, I didn't want to see them go too far into that just because we're in Alberta. We just came through an election where the NDP tried to really drill it in how socially conservative this government would be if the UCP got in. And and it just it didn't work. And one of our great friends who is the voice of reason all the time, he said uh, that there's very likely a more receptive audience federally for mm-hmm. for this kind of uh, I guess for this kind of strategy. And you know the thing is that it it wasn't as big of a deal. Now, granted, the liberals are not dealing with the same thing because the Canadian economy is doing well. It is very well everywhere yeah. except Alberta is basically at record unemployment levels so our record employment levels (laughs) record lows for unemployment (laughs) and and so how did i put that the canadian economy is doing uh or the the canadian economy is doing very well the alberta economy is doing well Mm -hmm. yeah we still have high unemployment in calgary yes we do so one of these things are not like the other 
Yeah, no, it's true. Um, yeah, and that was an interesting break as well. Obviously not an op-ed, but for uh, Rachel Curran to say that, you know, she thinks that the Liberals have uh, share on this. And her exact quote was, I do think it's a failure of issues management on the part of the Conservatives. And so if I'm Andrew Shear's advisor, here's what I do is I get out and I say, you know what, I've had a chance to see same-sex marriage in practice as part of our society. It hasn't been apocalyptic. It hasn't destroyed the fabric of our society. You know what, I'm not comfortable with it or, you know, it, it's not my personal choice, obviously, but it is what it is. I'm sorry for the things that I said. I understand how they could be seen as offensive. And I think it's time for, a society, for us as a society to move on to things like eliminating the deficit. And, and that's your opportunity to pivot to the things that are important. So you put it to bed, you get in front of it, you acknowledge it, and then but by hiding for eight days, it like eight days in a political and news cycle is an eternity. And the fact that they weren't out there saying anything during that time means that the liberals were driving the narrative. And the fact that he was hiding means that they were able to continue to pound that message. And I expect that they will probably right up until the red drop because they just put enough doubt to keep red Tories at home or switch a few soft red Tories to voting liberal. And that prevents the Conservatives, along with the NDP's collapse, from being able to keep the Liberals out of government. So, And we're not even going to get into that whole NDP collapse. No, that's a whole <laughs> other podcast. It is. Um, so, we, skipped a, we skipped over Leighton, unless you have something else to add for McDougal. No, no. I was just going to say, we need to talk about Mr. Leighton. <laughs> He, he doesn't he doesn't really fit in, you know, to the rest of to the rest of this. So it actually works out that we forgot him and ended up talking about him last. Bob Layton. Bob Layton. So for those who don't know, Bob Layton is the news director for all of basically Chorus Radio's properties <laughs> in the Edmonton market. And uh, he's an award winning commentary editorial comment Ed- producer. Ed- yeah. And uh, so, sorry, he's been a journalist for 47 years, 47 years. And I think that's important because this isn't a newbie's mistake that he made. (laughs) So in this op-ed that he posted to global.ca and put a video and a radio piece out, which has since been removed, so you can no longer find it, but there are absolutely screenshots and captures of it. He quotes, uh, famous Nazi rocket scientist Werner von Braun, who basically says if you're going to get to the moon, there's two things you have to overcome, and that's gravity and red tape. And so he used that quote as justification for the steps that the United Conservative government is taking to address red tape um, for businesses and just in general in Alberta. And then that really didn't get a lot of notice until, uh, what do I call this, Wonderkind Grant Hunter decided to parrot the uh, op-ed piece and quote Von Braun as well. Yeah. Uh, the problem with this is that Mr. Hunter has already faced heat for an op-ed in his local newspaper in which he touts the superior breeding stock of his riding 
And in his own words, a statement that had airing undertones. (laughs) So when you're already being accused of being a Nazi or being sympathetic to Nazis, one of the best things to do is not put out uh, quotes from Nazis, um, regardless of the context. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like a lot of, I, I did see a lot of commentary that day where people were saying, you know, uh, look at all these, I guess, you know, super intelligent individuals who all knew that Von Braun was a Nazi before he, you know, helped launch the uh, NASA uh, space program. Space program, yeah. And, but the thing is, and this was my own argument because I wrote about this as well. I was so peeved and I did a bare minimum of research on Bob Layton and I absolutely loved this. I have to, I have to read this. So if you look him up on Wikipedia, it has the most excellent two sentences that, you know, really just solidified to me how horrible him quoting a Nazi was. So it says, Leighton was born in England during World War II. As an infant, Leighton and his family spent a considerable amount of time in a trench in their garden during air raids. A short time later, they moved to Canada. He was raised in Tabor, Alberta. So he was born during World War II. They spent a lot of time in a trench in the garden. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's got a pretty good handle on what was going on with the Nazis at that point in time. So that to me just made it so much worse. And like I said, like we're, we're talking about, we're talking about someone who has, you know, almost five decades of experience in journalism and broadcasting. And, you know, I get it. I've looked for quotes myself, like, Hey, I could use a quote for this and I've done it myself. But you know what, if I don't know who the person is, I might do a quick, I might do a quick search and quotes are, you know, they're, they're pretty iffy when you find quotes on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you've got to be kind of careful. You need to make sure that the quote that you are going to use is an actual quote from the actual person. So you do need to maybe do a couple of more clicks from that. But I was just, I really was, I was absolutely just, you know, kind of shocked that someone with that kind of background, that kind of experience, and that kind of name recognition could do that. And and I I I don't even know if I want to say inadvertently because it just seemed like how could that possibly be inadvertent? Yeah. <laughs> like how could he honestly make that mistake? Well, and, and it's funny. So the op-ed now on globalnews.ca that section with the quote from Werner von Braun has been taken out and instead it now says it's interesting that business mogul Richard Branson says red tape often gets in his way and that's why he carries scissors just like premier Jason Kenney did when he used scissors to horizontally cut red tape to highlight the red tape reduction act like you see how easy that was like boom if I'm looking for something I can find it yeah exactly (laughs) This yeah. is one case where revisionist history is probably good, though. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was uh, that was pretty bad. But already. But yeah, that was our that was our few days in op-eds. Yeah, no, it was an interesting few days and some really in- interesting and good and not so good pieces. <laughs> yeah, 
it was it was a mishmash yeah. uh so i'm gonna put you on the spot here what are we talking about next week in our podcast next week in our podcast we have an interview we do have an interview we have an interview and we are going to discuss bill 21 uh the quebec bill 21 that's the uh religious symbols law and i'm really looking forward to that uh because I have, because I've found myself having to defend the government's right to do it because of slight misinformation that's been put out. And uh, and it, it's put me in a weird position because I didn't think I would mm-hmm. or yeah. something like that. But that's that's the position I believe I'm going to take. It should be a really good discussion. And we'll have a couple guests for that podcast as well, which yes. is exciting. And uh, I think that we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the McKinnon report that was released today by the Alberta government. And yeah. we'll pick apart at that a little bit next week as well. Yeah. So a couple of things to look forward to. Have a great night or day whenever you're listening to this. And we'll <laughs> talk to you guys soon. You can find political R&D podcasts, blogs, and our social media tags on our website at politicalrnd.ca. Goodbye, Robbie. Goodbye, Deirdre. <laughs>